Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another riveting episode of Here We Go, the Steeler Show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. My uncle was an Anthony. My grandfather was an Anthony. My son has a middle name as an Anthony. So that's kind of the family name. That's why you've got the B.A.D. With us today is Kevin Thatcher Smith who, like my wife's family, has family from England, uh, I guess, hence the Thatcher, and big things going on with a 70th Jubilee. That's that's a big deal with the crown right now, Kevin. Yeah, I mean, my grandparents, you know, if they were still around, they'd be celebrating because they had framed photographs of the queen uh, in their in their house, which is which was always funny to me because I didn't get it at all, even though later on uh, I'm, I'm now a history teacher, so I, I get it now. But, uh, yeah, we've passed that that name around. My son's got the Thatcher middle name. It's my middle name, and you know, it's, it's, it's kicked around our family. So, it, you know, it's nice to have a tradition like that, something that connects you to, you know, your, your ancestors. It, it's, uh, it's special to us. So mine's Anthony. Yours is Thatcher. I think that's awesome. I, uh, I hope both of them continue for a long, long time, my friend. Yeah, may as well. Uh, tr- traditions are nice. You bring up the queen if you drive past my mother-in-law's house, and my mother-in-law is in her mid-80s, but she's a huge English flag with the queen's face in her front yard right now. I mean, because of the 70th. I mean, my, my gosh, when you're in power for 70 years, one person, that's just amazing. It is. It's It's still it's also so weird that there that there is a queen in the year 2022 that royalty is still a thing it's kind of mind-boggling to me it, it feels such a, a relic from a bygone age but no I'm still around absolutely well the king of the film room at btsc is kevin smith so we definitely want to hear what he has to say coach what's going on in your world as looks like we're getting ready to wrap up another school year and so that must be exciting but what does that mean for the football team and any football program going forward whether it be high school college pro what do these summer months mean right yeah we're we're heading out up on our coming up on our uh, mini camp which is in about two weeks and that's where really really where we do our our install stuff and the things that we're gonna work on over the summer and uh, I had an interesting experience this week. I, I got to hire a coach. We, we needed another coach um, to, to round out our staff. And one of our veteran coaches has, uh, has retired. And so, you know, we were actually, we were, we were doing interviews and I had a really interesting experience that reminded me kind of the Steelers. You, you and I were talking last week on our, on our show about how the Steelers have uh, in their, you know, the three head coaches that they've hired in, in our lifetime, you know, you and me in our lifetime, uh, Chuck Knoll and Bill Cower and Mike Tomlin, none of those were big names or, or well-known guys. And the Steelers, you know, they kind of have a reputation as a, of a team that is that doesn't need uh, a bigger name for the hype. And so I, I did a couple interviews this week, and one was with a, a, more, a veteran coach who's a, who's a reasonably well-known name in our area. He's been around for a long time he's coaching some successful programs and he played uh big time college football and um and so he he interviewed and i won't i won't say it was an off-putting interview but but th- there was a there was a sense about him that 
that he knows a lot and he wanted you to know that he knows a lot. And I don't know if that's really what we were looking for, uh, even though we have great respect for, for what he's accomplished, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, as a staff, we talked about it a little bit and said, okay, well, you know, there's this young guy, this, this 24 year old kid who's, who's emailed me fi- like 15 times uh, and he doesn't have much experience, but we said, you know, let's, let's bring him in and, and let's see, see what this kid has, has to offer. And, and this kid knocked it out of the park. He, he did a phenomenal job with his interview, his preparedness. We, we put him on the whiteboard and started to talk some X and O's with him. And he was very prepared. And I mean, this is a kid who, who wasn't even a high school letterman. I mean, he, he played some quarterback in high school, but he was pretty much a JV kid his entire time. And, um, but he's a huge passion for the game and he studies it and goes to camps and clinics just to learn. And he had totally had the right attitude. He basically said, I'm going to come in and do whatever you guys want me to do. And I'm going to be passionate about, it, et cetera. And long story short, we wound up hiring him. So, um, so we, we picked the young unproven guy over the, the guy with the pedigree because we thought it would be a better fit for us. And I think that that really is kind of how the Steelers do business, you know? And, and I think that sometimes, you know, fans might, might wonder why did they make that choice? That's a, that's a relative unknown. You think about a guy like Pat Meyer, who they brought in to coach the O-line. Why, why him? Why not a bigger name? Why did they try to bring, bring Mike Munchak back? Um, and I, you know, I think it's because they know what they're, they're looking for and what, and what suits them best. And so I, I kind of felt like I got a little taste of that this week. You know, you need edge pieces in a puzzle. You need, you know, solid colored pieces in a puzzle. And then you need pieces in the puzzle that have letters on and a picture on that, you know, exactly where it goes, but they all have to fit together. And that's exactly the situation that you just described to me, that this was the right piece of the puzzle. The other piece of the puzzle, the uh, experienced the uh, well-known experienced uh, coach that you were talking about, you know, might not fit this puzzle because there's, he comes from a puzzle that's already put together, but yeah. doesn't fit in your puzzle. Yeah. And uh, you know, tremendous respect for that, that individual. And, and, and the man certainly knows his stuff, but like you just said, I, I didn't, I don't think we didn't really want somebody to come in and tell us how to reinvent the wheel. And I think we felt as though, it was going to be an awkward mix and there's a lot to be said for chemistry. And I, and that's another thing I think that, that the Steelers have done a pretty good job with that. I was reading a little bit today um, about how impressed so many of the players are with Brian Flores and how, how, how not only are they just kind of awed by his energy and his demeanor and his knowledge of the game, but how seamlessly he seems to have come in and just sort of fit, with uh, the rest of the coaching staff, because, you know, you worry about that. It, it, and that speaks volumes about Mike Tomlin, really, about, about his, his confidence in himself, uh, that he doesn't have a fragile ego, and he's willing to bring in a guy who is a strong personality and a smart coach because he recognizes how much he, he's going to learn from him. He, Tomlin had a great quote. He said, I love, I love having the opportunity to sharpen my sword against his uh, in relation to, to Flores, uh, but more so because Tomlin understands how to integrate him into the Steelers system. Um, so again, chemistry is a, a huge, a huge uh, and often unseen aspect of a, of a team. It absolutely is. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit when we talk about the situation at hand going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to wrap this conversation up and I know you can't disclose who it was, but was it Urban Meyer? 
It was, <laughs> um, it was not. It was not <laughs> Urban Meyer. Uh, okay. I don't, I don't I for some reason, you would approve Urban Meyer. You, know, you, have, you, have to, you have to be approved by a board of education in high school. That can be tricky business. For some reason, I, I picture you talking to Urban Meyer, and I'm like, all right, this is what we're going to do. I was like, well, well wait, Urban, stop. <laughs> you know, so you brought up something, and you brought up the idea of a, bringing in a big name or going with what fits. And so we've got to talk about that. Because we have the Stefan Tuit situation happening in Pittsburgh with him retiring at the age of 29. We wish him the best of luck in all of his endeavors. I'm a big fan of number 91. I do have, in fact, I'm looking at my closet right now. I can see my number 91 jersey there, my color rush jersey. Big fan of Stefan. And, but, you know, he decided to go ahead and move on. And right away, everybody. Uh, excuse me, let me rephrase that. A lot of people in Steeler Nation, including people, we mentioned our guys on the Slack channel all the time too. Right away, they're talking, all right, who do they got to bring in? And there are all these guys over, it seems like all these guys over 33. And if they're not over 33, they're uh, 27 and not passing physicals. You know, they're they're so banged up. And my question to you, as we get into the Stefan to conversation and as this is titled the DL on the DL. So the down low on the defensive line, we're going to talk about that for the Steelers. Do they really need to bring somebody in or do they go with the pieces of the puzzle that they're, they're hoping that fit some of them in their first year, some of them in their second year, but they've got some young guys on the defensive line that a lot of people were overlooking because they don't have a big name where they didn't just burst onto the scene and become an all pro in their first season in Pittsburgh, Kevin. Yeah, it's tempting. It sure is tempting because with two it retiring, you're, you're saving about, I think I read D- Dave Schofield's article today. And I think he said that after uh, some of the replacement issues, you're saving about $8 million and it'd be very tempting to sort of use that money to go out there and, maybe get one of those bigger name defensive linemen. Um, the guy that I like is, is Ogan Joby, uh, who was with the Bengals and signed with the bears during free agency, but then he failed his physical because of a foot injury. He sustained back in January. And, um, and he's, he's the kind of guy that I think that the, that the Steelers could really use. He's a Tyson Alu type, but he's younger. He's only 27. And, um, and he's, he's a, he's a player that you think, all right, well, if the Steelers have issues with uh, stopping the run on the inside, if, if Alu Alu gets banged up, he's 35. That's not out of the question. Uh, do you trust in any of the other guys, the young guys, to be able uh, to be a run stopper? And, and there's a lot of questions about that. So Ogunjobi's tempting. And, and I wouldn't fault the Steelers if they, if they took a shot at him, you know, pending his ability to pass a physical. But really to answer your question, I think they're. I think it's they're in wait and see mode. I think they're willing to wait a little bit and see if some of these young guys, because they do have a lot of bodies along that defensive line. So, so can Chris Wormley hold up as a run defender? He was a pretty good pass rusher last year, but got exposed as a run defender. Uh, is Isaiah Loudermilk when he's on the field going to make a leap in his sophomore? season he he turned out to be a pretty good run defender but but he was kind of the the polar opposite of Wormley he he couldn't get after the passer at all um 
What about DeMarvin Leal? I mean, he seems to be a guy who the Steelers feel pretty high on. Uh, what about Montrevious Adams? There's a lot of guys that the Steelers can plug in there. Uh, they all come with an upside and they all come with some serious risk. So I think, I think that the Steelers are willing to sort of wait a little bit before they jump out of veteran defensive linemen to see what they feel like they have in some of the pieces in house. Okay, with health not being an issue at this particular juncture, it could be down the road, but let's just throw health because we'll we'll throw health in the corner right now. We'll put a pin in health because with that being fine, who are your ideal three? Because there's some mixing and matching that can be done on this offense, this defensive line. Now, of course, Cam Hayward's not going anywhere, so he's already in place. So you don't even have to say his name. But for everybody else, who are you starting in the middle on that 3-4? And who are you starting at right defensive tackle, defensive end? So Alu Alu is, is your, your one tech. He's your, he's your nose. And he's been pretty good in Pittsburgh. Quite, you know, it's under the radar good. And, and we certainly saw his value last season when he was out um, because the absence was glaring. Obviously, Hayward, you know, you're plugging in and then you're going to have a competition with the third guy. I think Wormley's going to be the guy out of the gate. This is, of course, assuming the Steelers don't bring anybody in. So we're just talking in-house guys right now. But um, Wormley's going to be that guy, I think, to start. Um, Leal and Loudermilk, though, are both very, very tempting. Loudermilk's got to be able to, to rush the passer again, but if you look at what the Steelers do, they don't play that much three, four. They're only in the base three, four for about a third of the snaps. And, and they usually match it to an opponent's personnel. So when opposing teams come on the field with 12 and 21 and 22 personnel, the bigger personnel, then the Steelers go three down linemen. And when the opponents are in the 11 and the 10 and more of the spread stuff, then, uh, then they go with their, their two, two down linemen look. And that's, and that's Alo Alo and Hayward, you know, for, for right now, or that's, or that's Hayward and a situational guy right now, all those other guys feel like situational guys. So I think if the Steelers are lining up right now, the three that they're playing in their base three, four are Alo Alo and Hayward and Wormley. The three I would love to see uh, would be Hayward, Alo Alo and, and Leal, because I think he's the most talented of the bunch. Uh, whether he can come up to speed fast enough to be a part of that rotation remains to be seen. So let me throw some combinations at you here because I, I agree what you're saying. And, and to me, that seems like that's what a lot of people would be saying of those three, as far as Wormley, Aluwalu as your one technique, which I'm stealing from you. I have no clue what I'm saying when I say that, but I just trust you. And then, the superstar, which is Cam Hayward. But what if you took that one technique guy, can he move over and be the right defensive end in that situation? I have Montrevis Adams. So what would that threesome look like? Well, Aluel is not going to play on as the three technique, as the guy who's in the, in the gap between the guard and the tackle. Here's a real quick crash course for anybody who's listening and gets confused about all these techniques. When you 
the technique numbers just work out from the center. So if you're, if you're playing like an old school nose guard right on the head, head of the center, you're a zero. When you move to that center shoulder, you're now a one. If you move to the inside shoulder of, of the guard, now you get another designation. That's a two eye. Any, anytime you're head up, it's an even number. So zero is head up on the center, two's head up on the guard, four is head up on the tackle. And then all the odd numbers are just shades. So, so you're shaded to one side of the center or one side of the guard. It's a one is shaded to on the center, a three shaded on the guard, a five is shaded on uh, the tackle. And then for some ridiculous reason, uh, they, they go to a six and a nine on the tight end, but don't ask me why. But um, the, so, so, so Alo Alo is, is built to play the zero, the one, the guy who is on the center or shaded on the center, but he's not quick enough to be able to get to play outside uh, when you bump out. Adams is interesting and, and did some good things last year. The question with him, because he's really built to be the, the three technique, the, the defensive tackle, uh, but can he hold up on the nose? Because if you, if you play on the nose in a 3-4, you got to be able to anchor in against double teams. You're going to get double teamed on any inside run concept. And I just don't know if he's there yet. So if that's the case, then what you're definitely saying is that it is in the middle. It's right there at nose tackle or bust for a guy like number 94, Tyson. Right. And this is where it gets a little, a little hairy for the Steelers, because if he goes down again, then what do you do? Hayward can kick inside and play there. He, Hayward can play anywhere on the line, but that's not where he's best. Um, you know, can, can Loudermilk play there? He showed that he showed last year, like he could do a decent job against the run, but he's going to offer you no pass rush. So, so is Loudermilk too one dimensional? How, how far has he progressed in terms of his, pass rush ability that that'll I think have a, a lot to say about how much playing time he gets. So, so the, for, in, for the people who are in the, like, we need to bring another guy in camp, a guy like Ogan Joby is, is a guy who you put right on the, on the nose and you have no issues whatsoever. And then when you go to your two man front, you can kick him over to be the three tech and he can play there too. Uh, I think that's really where a lot of people are, are most concerned that if Alu Alu goes down we're back in that same boat where there's not a guy who's really a natural fit to take his place. Well, that's, that is going to really show the true importance of a guy like Tyson Aluelu. And we are going to talk more about that. We're going to talk more about the defensive line. When we come back on this special episode, the DL on the DL, it is, here we go. The Steelers show from behind the steel curtain. Welcome back to the BTSC family of podcasts. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Kevin Smith is with me. And we are talking about, well, what everybody's talking about right now with Stefan Tuitt leaving. What is the state of the defensive line? What is the down low, the DL on the DL? And we're not talking disabled list. We're not talking daddy like. We are talking about the defensive line, Kevin. 
I haven't, I haven't heard the phrase disabled list in a long time. I always associate that with baseball. Is that a baseball term? It, it is a baseball term. I mean, it's a uh, In, injured reserve is football. Disabled list is baseball. Yeah. And, and I don't even know if you're allowed to say disabled list anymore. <laughs> Has it been canceled? That phrase? Yeah, it, it could have been canceled. But then again, I threw out a daddy like, and I thought that's what you were going to comment. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just, I just, you know, that's in your wheelhouse too. So I just figured, you know. <laughs> uh, so let's, the DL we're talking about is the down low on the defensive line. And so you have already stated your case that how important Tyson Alawalu is to the Pittsburgh Steelers in the middle. So the, the bottom line to the whole thing, we know, we know on the left side, you're going to have Cam Hayward there most of the time if they want to move around they want to get creative they can because that's what this defense can do jeff hartman made a fantastic comment on the steelers preview this morning excuse me last night and it was this that if you are going to do anything with the defensive line you've got the right coaches to do it and that's that's a place that you can really feel comfortable with moving guys around with you know, coaching up a player. He even brought up when you scouted louder milk last year, when he was a surprise, when he was a surprise draft pick for the Steelers last year. And you were not impressed until you saw him in a Pittsburgh Steeler uniform. But when you saw him on tape in a Wisconsin uniform, you were not impressed whatsoever, but you did mention some of the things that you liked that he did with the Steelers and were uh, and understood the picks so much more after you saw them. So this is a good defense. I mean, the coaches on that defensive line are, uh, are absolutely fantastic. You've got Dunbar, you've got Mitchell. They're still helping out. So you have guys that really know what they're doing and, and could really put together a good off defensive line with guys that aren't slated to start that aren't, blue chip picks so we need to talk about the right side of that defensive line vacated by stefan to it you've already said that the the number one guy right out of the gate if they don't bring anybody in is chris wormley but what is your confidence level in wormley right now it's not that high only because i don't know i don't know how well he's going to hold up against the run you think about chris wormley and I'm going to backtrack real quick uh, just to piggyback on a comment you were making about the coaching and, and maybe I can now then relate that to Wormley. But when I, when I did the film breakdown of Loudermilk, um, the one thing I noticed that I thought to myself, he'll never be able to get away with this in the NFL was how high he played. His pad level was so high and he's a big dude. He's six, seven. So you're a six, seven guy uh, playing with bad leverage and you're going to let NFL off offensive linemen get under your pads. And that's a recipe for disaster. And I just thought to myself, he's, he's just a little bit uh, undersized for 6'7". He, he was about 280-something pounds. It seemed like he needed to get heavier, get stronger. And I didn't love his fundamentals. But then you watched him in Pittsburgh, and he looked like a different guy. And so, so what, 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 do you, what accounts for that change? Coaching. Coaching is what accounts for it. He got coached up. They got him to keep his pad level down. His arm extension was fantastic. That was the one thing that jumped out at me. When I, when I looked at Loudermilk play on the defensive line, 
he was getting hands on and then locking out. When you lock out as a defensive lineman, that's you win. That that's that's the win right there. Offensive linemen want to keep you as close to their chest as possible and keep you from getting the, your hands extended, uh, partially so they can hold those cheaters. But that but the the other reason is you know because they know that once a defensive lineman gets his hands extended, he can find the football and get off the block. And I was amazed at how well Loudermilk, uh, how far he had come in that regard. And that's coaching, like like Jeff was saying, and like you're saying, and so. And so maybe that's why the Steelers are going to say, let's let's see what we can do with these young guys and see if we can develop them. And maybe maybe for Wormley's sake, that's really where they feel their confidence level is. Hey, we've got him in Pittsburgh for another year. We saw we saw what he could do well. And now let's work on his deficiencies and and you know, maybe he'll make a leap too. All right. Say that the Steelers do not bring anybody else in, and we're not going to say yes or no to that yet. I'm going to ask you that question later if and so I'll let you stew on that a little bit. But what I'm asking right now is, do they keep six or seven on that defensive line? I think they have to keep seven. I, I think that they're just because there's not a certainty about who the backup guys are or the rotational guys are. I think you've got probably your starting three in, in Alu Alu and Hayward and, and Wormley when they played the three, four. And then you got a couple of young guys you know you're going to keep in in Loudermilk and and Leal, and then you've got some guys that are going to just be pushing each other for reps, and uh and may, and may, or maybe that'll be a competition where the Steelers say it's uh, like we talked about last week, uh, you know, two dogs one bone for that sixth spot, or maybe they'll just say, well, you know, between Davis and and Mondu and. Um, I'm, I know I'm missing some guys there, but um, there'll be, you know, there'll be uh, enough competition there to make it worth keeping a, an extra guy. It feels like the extra guy will be valuable just because of some of the uncertainty with the younger players. Well, you are missing a big guy, and I kind of feel like this guy is actually untouchable right now, and it's Montrevious Adams. Yeah, very good. Thank you. So if we're looking at the three that you mentioned, Wormley, Hayward, and uh, Tyson, and then you throw in the two young studs, and those got that's got to be the uh, double L, Leal, and Loudermilk when you have those guys. And I think Adams is definitely in that equation. He's uh, anywhere from four to six. I don't even know where you shuffle those guys around. You've got the Davis brothers. You have Mondo, who I forgot about until you brought him up. And not only do you have him, but you have uh, you mentioned somebody else in there, too. And so there's a lot of guys fighting for that seventh spot. I think those six spots are taken, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. With Adams, you're, I think you're definitely right. And so now it becomes a question of do they have a, how high is their confidence level in those six? And do they and, and also their, their confidence level in terms of the health of those players. And then do they feel good enough about one of the young guys to keep a seventh is bringing another guy in at this particular juncture. Is that really saying that you have no confidence in, especially the two younger guys, let's L and L louder milk and layout. I think it says that you recognize that they're not finished products and that you don't want to be in the same boat you were in last year where not finished products have to play a lot of reps. When, 
you know, with in the absence with two it out and and Alualu out, they wound up putting guys on the field uh, like Wormley and Adams and Davis and Loudermilk uh, and Bugs, who's now gone. They they got way more reps than the Steelers wanted them to, and way more reps than they were prepared for. And so, if you bring a veteran in, essentially, you're saying that you still think that Leal and Loudermilk basically need uh, some more seasoning. And, and I don't know what the answer to that is. And I, I don't know, maybe the Steelers don't know either. Maybe that's what we're going to find out through mini camp in the summer. I, that's why I'd be surprised if they jumped at uh, one of those veteran linemen right now, because if they do that, then it does signal that they, they feel those, those young guys aren't ready to play. And I just don't know if they know that yet. If you bring in one of these guys over 30, let's just throw out the big name right away and Dama Kong Su. I no. call him, I call him donkey Kong. If you no. bring a guy like that in, I hear what you're no. saying. I hear what you're saying, <laughs> but if you bring a guy like that in, you've got to be on the precipice for a super bowl. I think. Yeah. And I just, uh, you know, I, I don't, he, he doesn't just, he doesn't strike me as a guy. Um, who is 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 a fit for the the Pittsburgh Steelers? This group, this group of Pittsburgh Steelers. I just I could I could be wrong. I could be wrong about him, but but I, his best football is behind him. He's I, I don't know if he knows that. I, you know I, he still strikes me as a guy who feels like he's a star because he once was, and I don't know if he'd be content being a role player. And I just for me, I'll be honest. If you're gonna throw money at an over thirty guy. I think it needs to be on the other side of the ball. I I would I'd throw money at 31 year old Eric Fisher as an as an offensive tackle. He's still on the free agent market. I would have no problem with that as as an offensive tackle who who can push two young guys. It worries the heck out of me that Okorafor and Dan Moore Jr. both two very young guys aren't going to have anybody there to push them. I mean Joe Hegg is that third tackle, but I think everybody understands that Joe Hegg is pretty much a backup. And, and so how do you bring out the best in guys competition and you bring in Eric Fisher. Uh, and what does that say? That says you better be on your a game because there's a competent former all pro on the roster who uh, can take your spot if, if you're not. So, so if we're throwing money at, at older guys, I don't want it to be on the D line. Well, if you're going to bring in a guy like that over 30, like you mentioned, you want it to be a team guy that is going to mold and Sue doesn't seem like that kind of guy. I know we're not talking about the offensive line, but yeah, Fisher, it does seem like that guy. He seems like a glue guy. He seems like, Oh my gosh, what's that word? He seems like a dude. Right. Yep. Uh, And, and a veteran presence on, on that really young offensive line, like his really would be, I think, valuable, Uh, especially if he's content to, to understand what his role is, which is, Maybe he'll be a starter, but maybe not. Maybe he'll be a mentor kind of guy. And at this point in his career, I think he's he's a guy I have a lot of respect for. He was a he was a one-one. He was a number one overall pick, first round number one. And and he got off to a, a slow start in his career. And, and he was labeled a bust. He had a lot of critics. And he slowly built himself into uh, a pretty darn good NFL offensive tackle. And we, you know, went to a Super Bowl and I may, may have played on a Super Bowl winner, uh, he but he, yeah. Um, and he, you know, maybe he wasn't a, a one, one, but he was a darn good player who I thought handled himself 
with a lot of class in the face of a lot of criticism and, and high character guys like that. You know, I think those guys do well in Pittsburgh. Well, and that's something that you might see uh, some of the savings go towards. And, but we are talking about the defensive line right now. We're not going to solve all the problems of the DL right now, but here's a big question for you. Do you really think that this offense, this defensive line has really suffered for losing a guy that they did not see whatsoever in 2021 and step onto it. I know he's a big loss because it was the excitement and the hope that he was coming back and what you knew he could do, but you didn't have him last year either. So is this as huge of a loss? It's more of a loss of hope in my mind, Kevin, but are they, did they already start moving forward last year without even knowing? I don't know. It's not a loss for the reason you just stated because we didn't, the Steelers didn't have him last year, but it's a loss in the sense that they didn't add anything significant in preparation for his absence. They drafted Leal and I'm, I'm going to sing his praises. I think that he's got a really high ceiling and could be a very, very good football player for the Steelers for a long time. He's not there right now. He's not. And, and he needs, he needs to sort of take on some part-time reps and maybe get slotted into some packages as they develop him to hopefully one day become uh, an, an every down player for the Steelers. So had the Steelers known maybe entering free agency or before the draft that, that to it was not coming back, they may have approached it a little bit differently on the DL because they're for the most part, the same group that they had last season. Alo Alo is coming back and that's a good thing. They added a third round pick with potential. They're going to have a little bit more seasoning in some of the younger guys, so they should be better, but they need to get a lot better, especially with their situation at linebacker. That's the sort of worrisome combination. When, when you don't have dominant run-stuffing linebackers and when the defensive line is also a question mark in regard to its ability to stop the run, you begin to say, hmm, where's you know this could be a problem again. And so you just hope that, that the Steelers feel like they can develop these guys enough so that it won't be. Would you agree that this already is a stronger defensive line than 2021 with Tyson coming back, with Montrevious Adams having a full season, and with the addition of a DeMarvin Leal and throw in the fact that you have a guy that is poised to make that leap from number year number one to year number two in Isaiah Loudermilk. Absolutely. It's absolutely better. But at the same time, Hayward's going to be 33. Alawala's going to be 35. Those guys are, well, Hayward, you know, Hayward's still one of the best defensive linemen in all of football, but you worry about injury. And then you have to say to yourself, okay, if one of those guys has to go out for an extended period of time, are the younger guys ready to step in and assume full-time roles. And that I think is where the question mark is. All right. Let's exclude Hayward again. Let's exclude Tyson with everybody else on that defensive line. Who's your dude. Who's the dude of the week. Uh, I think, uh, I'm, you know, you brought him up uh, j- just a couple minutes ago. I think it's Adams. I think he had, he had some dude qualities last year. He, he plays with a little, a little nasty edge. He plays with a motor. 
He certainly uh, improved from his time in Pittsburgh, from the from the the first snaps where he was just kind of like a who's this guy, to to uh, you know weeks later when when he was making plays and opening eyes. And I don't think he's a finished product, but I think that he's a guy who the Steelers feel pretty good about. Um, so yeah, man, let's make let's make him our dude of the week. Excellent. I, I appreciate that. Now I'm going to put you on the spot like I did last week. And I, I do got to say this when I asked you who the BTSC dude was, Dave Schofield came in and said, look, I know why Kevin struggled with that because the dude at BTSC is Kevin Smith is what Dave, Dave Schofield told me. So that's some pretty high praise coming from a high place. I just thought I'd let you know that, but I appreciate, I appreciate that Dave. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so you you have dude status here, and uh, everybody knows it, and I back that up 100%. But I want to put you on the spot a little bit more. I'm going to go ahead, and you have shown, we've worked together for two years now. You've shown me nothing but respect. But I want to make a statement, and I want you to challenge me if you feel that I need challenged on this. When I say... I'm going to say unequivocally, it is my belief and my true belief that the Steelers know what they're working with. They know who they have, and they feel confident they do not have to bring anybody in. So what I want you to do is tell me that I'm either right or I'm 100% wrong. I, I, I think the Steelers believe. I think you're right. I think you're right that the Steelers believe that they have enough. And, and, but I also think that the Steelers are probably going to, you know, they, they know that they've got some money. I, I think that, I think I read Dave's article that, that was up today or yesterday about their salary cap situation. And he seemed to think that when all the dust settles, that they're going to be around 20 million under the cap. And so they, they understand like we've got some money now that, uh, that, if, if some of these guys don't show the progress that we need them to show, we can maybe go out and sign that veteran or side side note, but very tantalizing uh, or, you know, let's take $9 million and get that extension done with Deontay Johnson and Minka Fitzpatrick or whatever that costs, but they got the money to do that too. So they'll make some choices. It'll be very interesting to see what direction they go in, but I don't think you're wrong. I don't, I'm not going to be here and say, Oh, you're an idiot because blah, blah, blah. I think you just had that conversation with somebody in, in, in one of your previous. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, you know I, I, I think the Steelers feel, feel fairly confident with where they are. I have no I have no problem when somebody I respect tells me I'm wrong, though. That's uh, that's no problem. I actually uh, Jeff Hardman and he did it in in just a, such a gentle way. But I mixed up louder milk. And Wormley, just the fact where I said, you know, Wormley's great against the run and not great against the pass and vice versa. And I mixed those guys up completely. And I'm like, yeah, I knew that. I knew that. But in the passion that I was speaking in my headspace, I completely mixed that up. So I have no problem. You telling me I'm wrong, but, but it's gonna, it's gonna come from somebody that knows what they're talking about too. And that isn't going to just uh, absolutely, you know, uh, talk like nobody else knows what they're talking about. So you can tell me I'm wrong anytime. My wife does it all the time and I'm used to it. And she's right all the time too. And I hate that. I, I'm, I'm wary of 
people who speak in certainties. I, I really am. I, I've found as I've gotten older that, uh, that I'm certain of less and less that you have, you have gut feelings about things. You have instincts about them. You, you have a, a sense that this might be the right thing to do, but you never know. And so the people who tell me that they know that you're a hundred percent this or that, oftentimes I just kind of raise an eyebrow when I, when I hear those people talk and think to myself, that, that sounds like some overcompensating. So <laughs> I'm, I try to try to stay away from those types of uh, definitives. <laughs> so one thing that I am certain of is that BTSC is going to have all of your Pittsburgh Steeler needs, Kevin. They are going to have 100% everything that you need to know if you love to read about the Pittsburgh Steelers or if you love to listen about the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I'm going to speak in absolutes right now. Say you absolutely need to check out this morning's episode of Let's Ride with Jeff Hartman with the heart to heart with everything that Jeff says, man, I love that show. If I did not know Jeff Hartman, I would love Jeff Hartman just the same just by listening to the show. That is a great show, and I have no problem saying that in absolutes. Check out last night's show with myself, with Dave Schofield, with Jeff Hartman. It was the Steelers preview. We talked about the off- the defensive line. Why do I always want to call it the offensive line? The defensive line, and we talked about the situation. You're going to hear a lot about that. You're also going to hear from Tony Defio tonight. You're going to hear from the guys from Touchdown Under as well. The Power Half Hour this weekend, check that out. Check out my man Kevin Tate, another KT, but just Kevin Tate, who with We Run the North, And the Q&A this weekend is going to be a good one as well. So make sure you stick with BTSC. Go to wherever you download your favorite podcast. That's there. But we were talking about the defensive line today. And we were talking about the absence of one Stefan Tuitt. We wish him well in his life after football. We think it's going to be fantastic. And we look forward to what he does on the other side of life on that as a civilian and a non-football player. So uh, good luck to Stefan and his family and uh, nothing but the best for him. But Kevin, as we wrap up a conversation about the defensive line, are you, you still feel that the arrow is pointing up without number 91? I do. I have my reservations. Uh, I, I have to feel like the confident because the Steelers, I think feel fairly confident. I, I we'll, we'll, we'll see what they do with some of this money and this roster spot, but I, I, I feel better about them than I did last year. Uh, whether or not that's good enough to, to make the improvements that they need to make will obviously be one of the great questions between now and kickoff. All right, Kevin, best wishes to your family this week. Best wishes to all of your friends. Best wishes to everybody out there in BTSC land who are, who are checking us out faithfully. We can't do this without you. Kevin, I can't do this show without you. So thank you so much. Have a great week, as, my man. Yeah, it was fun as always. Thanks. And uh, everybody be safe out there. All right. So that's number one. Number two is be true to yourself. And number three, always be behind the steel curtain. And Kevin, you've got to keep your feet on the ground. And keep reaching for the hypocycloids. I love it. Hey.